Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Crazy Rich Asians, directed by John M. Chu and released in 2018. The plot of the movie goes something like this. An economics professor from New York accompanies her boyfriend home to Singapore, where she discovers he is from one of the island's wealthiest families. Uh, yeah. So, we'll do a bit of a spoiler-free section up front. I, I normally say at this point, should you see this movie, but almost everyone we know is going to see this movie. But um, we'll do a quick, yeah, spoiler-free, should you see this movie bit, and then we'll go into spoilers later under a warning. I mean, if this is the kind of movie that you think you will like, then you should go see this movie. It is pretty much what you would expect, I think, from seeing trailers and everything. It is a, a romantic comedy in with a rich guy. <laughs> it's like... Set in Singapore. Yeah, set mostly in Singapore. Asian cast. The, the, the real draw is the mostly Asian cast, I think. Because, yeah. like, everything else about it is, is very much... I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot in this that's new, apart from the mostly Asian cast. Yeah. Including the sense of humour, which I think is a little bit old. Like, stuck in the 90s kind of old. Um, but it looks really good. It's directed by John M. Chu. He's a good director. Um, I think we've seen things... What have we seen with him before that I thought so, was good? Uh, oh, he most... directed Step Up. And that's right. He directed Now You See Me um, yeah. too, which I thought was like really pretty, but, mm-hmm. you know, really dumb. Yeah. So I remember and when he, we yeah. talked about that and that was the movie I was just thinking about. Yeah. He came out of music videos into the Step Up franchise. And so that is very much reflected in his directorial style. Yeah. So uh, of the two of us, I've read the book of this and Katie hasn't. I have not. So some of my sort of feelings about this are tied up in my feelings about the book. Look, this is really it's it's fun. It's pretty with lots of pretty people. It's a light, relatively easy story, and obviously the the biggest, most important part of it is that it's an all Asian cast, and um, it, that is quite a revolutionary thing. Yeah, even in this day and age, uh, and that's all good. Um, I think perhaps I built my expectations up a little too high before I got there. I only read the book earlier this year, and I just thought it was I thought it was really funny. But the more I think about the movie and the book together, the things I liked about the book are the things I liked about the movie and the things that I had issues with in the movie are the things that I also had kind of issues with in the book. Okay. So I, I think some of the things I had issues with would not be in the book because there's some like acting choices and well, stuff there's like that some of that, that don't work terribly there's well. There's some of that. We'll get, get into it more in, in, some, in spoilers. But mm. like my favourite characters from the book are still my favourite characters in the movie. I mean, obviously... Uh, Michelle Yeoh's character is going to be everyone's favourite. She's just incredible, amazing. But she's the best part of the book too. Mm. Um, I think even when he was writing the book that Kevin Kwan actually pictured her playing that part. Yeah. Because she's just so perfect for it. So And, and obviously she's probably the most, I would say, experienced of the cast as well. Um, and, and she definitely, definitely the big standout. Um, but yeah, look, it, it's, yeah, it's exactly what you think it's going to be. It's a light, fluffy, romantic comedy. It's it's shot on not a huge budget, which I think shows through in places. Um, I didn't notice that. But so there you go. There's one thing in particular where you said to me, I think we missed something. In oh. like, I think something was missing there, and I'll explain it under spoiler warning later. Okay. But I, I, there is something missing there. Okay. And I, I think it's a budget thing. Um, okay. But so that shows through a bit sometimes. But it's good fun. Um, it's very pretty and you get to like live in this silly, glitzy, glamorous world for a couple of hours. So I would say go see it. You're probably going to anyway. Go see it because it needs – like this is a movie where it's important for you to vote with your money mm. and watch it. Uh, so if you're any kind of interested in it at all, just go. <laughs> and I sort of – I mean, I um, – romantic comedies are not my favourite, but I know a lot of people like them. They've been dead for a while, so it's nice to see that they're coming back. Yeah, that's right. Um <laughs> So, like, even though it's not my favorite, there's there's a lot of people who do like them, and I feel like it's a it's a um, genre that gets less respect than it should because it's mostly female audiences mm-hmm. that like it. Yeah, um, that's right. So, like, yeah, it's I mean, and it's it's a you know, as far as romantic comedies go, it's fine. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, uh, we might we might start talking spoilers now because it's actually kind of hard to talk about this movie without talking about too many spoilers. Uh, so if you haven't seen it and uh, you want to listen to the rest of the show, maybe pause now and come back when you've seen the film. I am. Um, I struggle with romantic comedies. Mm, yes, I just do. They're, they're all the same. It's all the same story. It's just the same story over and over again. And I just don't like. There's not enough in it that excites me 
about that story to get really into them over and over again, especially when the two main characters have so few character traits that are like, it's, it's so difficult to even get to know who they are as people. Like Rachel and Nick yeah. are, are such bland people, you know, they're just so dull and I just don't, I don't, I'd, I'd much rather watch a movie about Aquafina or about um, Michelle Yeoh's characters who are people and have, and even Gemma Chan's character who's more interesting and has a more interesting storyline than the yeah. main one. So this is what, these, is, these are my notes. I said, uh, a lot of things that didn't work in the film don't work well in the novel, namely, Nick and Rachel being just not very compelling. I also, and conversely, as I said in the spoiler-free section, the, my favourite parts of the novel were Eleanor, Astrid and Pete Lynn, which mm. is um, Michelle Yeoh, Gemma yep. Chan and Aquafina's character. Aquafina's character. And I think we, we, we've got to, because she's American, it, it kind of comes, like, the, it's kind of more like, Aquafina, yeah, know, but we it, don't have that sound really in, 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 our, accent. in our accent. So sorry really, for the mispronunciations. But, but th- those were the best bits of the novel and they were the best characters in the film. They, it, I mean, it doesn't hurt that they also are played by probably, like obviously Michelle Yeoh is an established star. Gemma um, Chan is an established actress and mm. Aquafina is just breaking out as a star and she's going to be huge. She's fantastic. I mean, we've seen her in two things and she's just excellent in both. Yeah. So. And so... And Constance Wu is trying her hardest, but this is actually her first movie. Mm. Um, so she's had a you know long running lead on a on a network show, so she's not completely inexperienced. But also, that's a much more interesting character than Rachel is. Yeah, she has so much well, more to work with for she, that. I also find that not just like um, that it's not much to work with. She also has to carry the idiot ball. Like there are so a couple often. of occasions in this film where. Um, Nick or someone else talks about how special she is and how, of course, she's worth it and all the sacrifices. But, like, she – firstly, she has she's an economics professor and she has no clue that this guy that she's been dating for so long who moves through the world like he lives a charmed life and dresses in, like, incredibly high-end clothes. He's not just a professor. He's not, he's not dressing in, like, the way he dresses on a professor's salary. Mm. I mean, come on. Like – that the, that, is, he, is that what he's supposed to be, a professor? Yeah, they're supposed to both be professors at the university. See, I didn't even know if he had a job. Like, I didn't know. I, no. I didn't pick up. So, I don't know if it was in the dialogue, but I, I yeah. was like. So that's another didn't problem. Didn't you notice that she, he's just swanning around not doing anything? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what it seems well, like that's he does. Right. And they, they like, you know, have, there's no issue with like ordering two pieces of cake at a restaurant or anything. Like they, they clearly live a, a lifestyle or whatever. But, but oh, yeah, but I think, I mean, she's an economics professor. She's well enough off that it's not yeah, like, she's not, I mean, she, she buys like, you know, middle range clothes and yeah. mid range clothes. So and, like, that's yeah, sort of I don't and, think she's but, poor. No, she's meant her to be, she's meant to be middle class. But then when she's in Singapore, they have her ask like white person questions. Um, and I think some of them are for the audience, but then they also have her do things like she doesn't recognize a finger bowl for when you're eating shellfish. Yeah, and, that, and I, I and may that, recognize that. Well, that's because that's not an Asian versus Western thing. That's a fine dining versus people who don't go to high-end restaurant thing, right? That's more of like you don't go to a lot of fancy dinners thing. But So they're trying to like make out as though she's sort of poorer and less is, in touch with her culture than she would be. She also – they also have Nick explain making dumplings to her. Like, she never would have made dumplings? Well, maybe not. I mean, yeah. I don't know. She, I think she has to carry a bit of that sort of exposition stuff. I think that... And it makes her look a bit stupid in yeah. some points. I think that they could have played off the making dumplings things cuter because he just tells, does it like it's a story, and then Ollie does, like, a different version of that story. Yeah, yeah. Which is really cute. But, like, yeah, they could have played it off, like, more like he's teaching her how to do it the way his grandmother taught him rather yeah. than like she's an idiot yeah which yeah. it is very and she it was, does it a lot when she just when she mistakes the cook for um the grandmother mm. she just makes assumptions based on nothing mm. like that conversation there's no reason in that conversation for her to assume that that's his grandmother mm. so why does she do it yeah. she just takes and i sort of i like i was wondering if that might be a character trait like she rushes into things head first and gets herself in trouble but it doesn't seem to be anywhere else yeah so that's just a pointless moment for her to be embarrassed for no reason yeah and i can like in both in neither book rachel nor movie rachel really compels me to know exactly what kind of character she is because she just sort of does certain things and is supposed to be our point of view character i guess 
But like she just, yeah, she's problematic. And the Nick is also not much of anything. As in nothing. The, he's a he's, he's he's such a nothing character. The only time he's ever interesting is when it's just him and his best friend hanging out. Right. And then he shows some kind of personality occasionally. Those two are great together. Yeah. And that the best Good friend chemistry. is played Chris by Pang. Yeah, Chris Pang, an Australian actor. Um I like him. Who's also quite who's actually relatively experienced. He was in um, uh, t- The Tomorrow When the War Began. Yeah. He played Lee, which is like a childhood favorite book of mine and also a childhood favorite like character and crush. And yeah, stuff, yeah. So. He's the, the the main love interest. Um so so he, he's they're, – they're really good together. But Henry Golding is very handsome, but this is his first movie too, and he's been plucked from being a TV presenter to do this. And at the end, there is a cameo by Harry Shum Jr., who – playing a character who will come back in later films if they have them, but he has no lines and it's in the mid credit sequence, yet he is credited at, like, number Four. six in the credits, uh, which is clearly ridiculous. In that, like, whatever he has, 30 seconds with no dialogue at all, he has so much charisma. He has so much experience. Mm. He, I mean, I know they wanted the British accent for Nick because they wanted to make it the same as the book. I think that would have been a change that wouldn't actually have mattered. Mm. I think that would have been a fine change to make, change his educational background to America. That would have made sense. And, And give him the American accent because he just has so much more presence and charisma i was thinking about that and i was wondering if maybe he doesn't look like i don't know like he's like not quite tall rich and movie star and, well that, that's the other thing about henry golding henry golding kind of moves through the world like he's born to the manner born yeah like he also was uh, he was good in that scene where they were trying all the different foods when he just swanned up to places and ordered things like he'd been doing it his whole life. Yeah. Which makes sense as a travel presenter, I guess. Yes. Like, and when he pronounced all the different words and things like that. And like, yeah, yeah. And that sort of stuff. Like, and, and they're different. Um, the foods were different cultures and different languages and he mm-hmm. pronounced them all the way they're supposed to be pronounced and things like that. So, like, that was kind of where he was better. Mm-hmm. But, um, and he looks rich. He does. Like, he looks like he's a rich person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, maybe they just thought that Harry Shum Jr. didn't have that. Yeah. And so he gets, he plays Charlie Wu, who is also a rich person, but is a smaller character. Yeah. But, but yeah. you have to have that kind of impression of him, I guess. Mm. I don't know. I was trying to figure it out because, because I mean, I mean, I, that's the thing is, that's Nick's character trait. Nick's character trait is he's super wealthy, but he's very secretive about it. Mm. That's, that's the only character trait I can think of about him. <laughs> Which yeah. is crazy that he's super secret. I mean, I, he's been brought up to be super, super secretive about it. But at the same time, he like walks through the world like he owns the place. Yeah. And he thinks he's being romantic when he's doing things that would make me angry. But mm. anyway, um, yeah. but clearly Rachel doesn't feel the same way. So that's fine. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, but, and also he just doesn't. Yeah. He, there's so many things in this movie where I was like, you never had a conversation about this ever they go to the airport and she doesn't even know where their tickets are for like they she doesn't know what f- tickets they have for the plane because mm. they go to first class yeah and she's like there must be a mistake and i'm like you didn't you don't know what tickets you just let you him have? take care of it and you didn't even ask that to give him sound, any money that doesn't sound like, like an economics no, professor. middle class people when they buy tickets with their friends to with their even with their partners to the airport will always be like working out how much money you can spend. And like there must have been a conversation somewhere about like, oh, I, you, you know, I don't have $1,500 to fly to Singapore or whatever. Like there must have been. Yeah. that. Mu- and or, or he was like, oh, no, I'm taking you to my friend's wedding and I have enough. So I'll I'll shout you this time or something like that. But yeah. The fact that she doesn't even know like where their seats are on the plane or anything mm. seems weird to me. It's yeah. the sort of conversation you have before going on a trip with someone yeah, else. There's all this sort of like defies belief stuff and i also think the lack of conversations kind of really shows up because a lot of the movie in singapore there is actually spent spent the two of them apart yeah and she knows they're staying at a hotel yeah but she doesn't know like any of the details of that either yeah that's so weird like he's just taking care of it and like if your partner can just take care of it you he's clearly not in the same like social class as you no like not when you you know he's just not sort of middle class average income earning person and yeah there's so many clues right so many it's clues. not just there's so many clues it's that like they even on the plane when she finds out they don't actually have a conversation about it mm. 
time. Like they just keep not having conversations about things. Yes. Also, they get there and they go and meet the best friend. And I'm like, who is this guy? Because yeah. they do all these introductions and I, without introducing this main guy. Yeah, yeah. And they and it all sort of happens like in dialogue, but while well, there's all this other noise and stuff going mm. on. So they go, oh, I'm Inter and Colin. And somebody somewhere says best man. But you didn't pick, hear that. No. Or pick it up. Like, And I had to tell you who they were. And that's re- that's not good character introduction. No, and and they could have shoved in an introduction with the cousins. Yeah, like these are my cousins. This is my best friend. You oh know. man, I had yeah. So I this... thought the girl was his sister. Yeah, for a long time. Yeah, like I because you were like, oh, it's the best friend, and he's going to his wedding. But the way that she greeted him, I was like, maybe she's his sister. No, she's actually another distant cousin. But this that's because this world is so incest. This is this, by the way, is a problem with the novel, and I think the biggest downfall of the way it was adapted. There's too many characters and they are not introduced clearly. Mm. Like I've read the book in the last six months and I had to this morning go back to the first book and get out the family tree that is at the Mm. start to remember who is related to whom and how everybody fits together. Yeah, And it's supposed to be set around three cousins, which is Nick, Astrid and Edison Chang, who's played by Ronnie Chang. It's he's supposed the to be about him? No, not about him, but he's there, the three main cousins in the family. And there's also a younger cousin who's dating Kitty Pong, which is – Kitty Pong is a storyline I think they should have excised from the movie. But Yeah, the, both of those cousins could have been squished into one person because yeah, I was because, just like, yeah. who is this again? Right, I don't exactly. remember. And Nick is the son of the only son of the grandma and the, all the others are daughters. So the da- one of the daughters is Astrid's mother and one of the other daughters is Eddie's mother. Are they the aunts that we met? Yes, they're the aunties that we met. Because I know that yeah. See, at one point whole, and, Ollie and, says something about um, one of them getting facials or something. Yeah, yeah. You had to explain that to me. Microdermabrasion. I didn't understand that And that's why that she couldn't bit. make dumplings after work. That, was that Astrid's his mother? mother? No, Astrid's mother. No, he's like another cousin who's not one of the – he's not one of the cousins. He's like a, another cousin from like – I clearly understood this movie very this well. Is, no, but this is the problem. That is novel-level detail. And in the novel, they provide you with a family tree because you, you have to keep going back to checking checking in all, all, all this stuff. There are too many characters and they're not clearly explained. And so you've got those aunties, but also so, who are um, so Michelle Yeoh's sisters-in-law. Mm. But then you've also got Michelle Yeoh has this little like posse of mean girls who are mm, yeah. also like a little Greek chorus. And depending on whether you're with the family or with Michelle Yeoh's squad, you get like different sets of mean girls doing the, the there Greek are chorus so thing. So many of those guys that I was just like, yeah. who am I supposed to be keeping track of now? It's impossible. And then are these people related? <laughs> yeah, and then it all co- and then like of course when you go when um Rachel goes on Araminta's bachelor weekend, you've got this other girl who is clearly like, uh, you know, who's been brought in to distract her or whatever. And then then you've got Astrid, and then you've got the other girls being mean. To, and there's so much to keep track of. You can't remember who everybody is. Mm. And it's too it's too hard. And so they, they keep in some subplots that I would definitely have cut out. The Kitty Pong one would be a really obvious one to cut out. Um, yeah, especially with the way they ended that. I was like, I still wouldn't wish that Bernard guy, Bernard, yeah. on anybody. No. He was, I could have yeah. really lived without him. And mm. I really could have lived without Aquafina's brother. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, that was gross. Yeah, he was icky. He's and- not even funny like Ken Jong. Like, no. Ken Jong is like icky but that he's he does it in this way that's really funny still yeah yeah and like the the fact that aquafine is constantly shoving him away and everything and then you know mm. he loves his wife and stuff it's yeah not like and that's prob- probably also because he's more experienced like yeah. he is an experienced comedian he knows comedy beats and stuff yeah yeah but like my god that family i was just like do we have to go back yeah he was i really gross. could live without it and i can't I couldn't actually remember him from the book, which means that clearly he's imp- he's not important enough to actually be left in. No, he just is really super gross and unnecessary. Um, yeah, because otherwise that whole that family would have been really quite fun with mm. Ken Jong, and I'm not sure who the actress is playing the mother, but they were really fun together. Like the mother has all these dogs running around, yeah, she and was like funny too, and that they like they've um they, they've taken decorative inspiration from Versailles and Donald Trump's bathroom. Like it's funny. And yeah. cute. Um, and then the little sisters uh, who are kind of cute, you know, cute actors, I guess. But Cheng Moon Ko is, is the mother. mother. Oh, yeah. She was cute. I like, I, I thought they were nice. And because like Aquafina is so sweet and then, of course, they, they have to set up the contrast between like the old money and the new money. Um, Do they? 
<laughs> do they have to? I, I really didn't need it. I didn't need because there was just so much going on. And I was like, I don't know where we are now. I don't know who we're supposed to be following at this point in the movie. And yeah. like, it's not, it's not it's good. It's so hard to follow. It was so hard to follow. Yeah. Um, and, like, and it doesn't help because there's, there's so many of them and they like, and we're following Rachel who is bland and everybody else is one character trait. Like people were talking and I, I saw this before I saw the movie, people complaining about the kind of, um, one note old school, like, gay character that Ollie is where he's mm. desexualized and in love with fashion and very yeah. flamboyant. Um which reminded me a lot actually of um Rex Lee's character on Entourage. Oh yeah. Okay. That kind of stereotype. Yeah. That's like a bit played yeah. out. And that and is a lot in this movie. It is. Like the mean girl stereotype that's played out to death. The mm. Kitty Pong character, which is a stereotype that's been played to death. Like mm. it and some of the jokes in the movie kind of sit in that 90s, early 2000s era comedy that doesn't work very well anymore. Mm, yeah. Um, they're always making judgments on other people all the time. There's a moment also at the party, which is clearly from the novel that is, makes no sense, where they go, oh, Kitty Pong forgot her bra. And I'm like, Constance Wu is clearly not wearing a bra with that dress. Yeah. With that, that's actually, that actually shows up one of those great uh, – old-fashioned stereotypes that if you are small-chested and you are not wearing a bra, it's perfectly elegant. But if you are large-chested, like Kitty Pong, it's like, oh, she's not wearing a bra. Like, but like, she was. They did a shot of her and she had to have been wearing something because her boobs are up at her neck. <laughs> so there's no way that she wasn't. Yeah. And it so doesn't it's make like, sense. It, yeah. it, it's the, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, mm. firstly, it doesn't make her slutty unless it makes Constance Wu slutty as well. Like, even if it does, who cares? Yeah. And secondly, she has to be. That, there's no way her boobs there's, are sitting yeah, there without no some sort of support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that dress has structure involved. And Constance Wu's clearly doesn't because it's one of those deep V sternum neckline thingies. Yeah. I don't know. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you can't just adapt the words from the novel straight into the movie when all the visuals of the movie don't support the thing that you're saying that was in the novel. Yeah. No, and like actually, the dialogue was really all over the place because there are some like bitchy, funny comments in the novel, and I sort of understand why they might want to keep that because that's clearly what they are going for, even if it's not what we like. But they a lot of the a lot of lines, including the bit we were talking about before when they arrive at the airport, just kind of slip off to the side mm. or like underneath. There's a whole lot of color and movement and noise going mm. on all the Which time. Which is very John M too. Yeah, it that's is very, very John. And so style. I'm not entirely sure. I'm I love him as a director because it is very music video-y. There's lots of quick cuts and flashes. and um, so- Sometimes it can be used well. Sometimes there – it also, I think, there's a real lack of setting anything up. Like that little prologue that they have where it's like, you know, baby Nick and, and Michelle Yeoh and baby Astrid and her mother and the other cousin who's making a giant mess – Need no, to... that wasn't wasn't that was Nick making a mess. No, that was the that's meant to be Eddie, the third cousin. There's supposed to be three kids there. There was only two kids there. I swear to God. I thought there was two, but I also thought that that was meant to be Edison because maybe I'm getting mixed up with the book prologue. Um, but anyway, it, it's really not well explained, right? Not at all. Not at all explained, and you just drop straight into it, and you like don't know who anybody is. No, but it. I don't mind that because it really establishes who Michelle Yeoh is. Yes, it and very then much you does. find out later that she's his mum. So you're like, oh, he was the he kid. He was the kid, and, then... and it doesn't make any sense if there's another boy there who's the one making the mess. It has to be Nick. Yeah, but the, in think... terms of way, the way the movie is, yeah, structured. in terms of the way the movie is structured. But it, in the book, it's quite clearly Eddie making the mess, Nick just sitting there, and Astrid like kind of Nick just sitting there because he doesn't ever do anything. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway. Like, you know, but, kids making a mess, that's not a reason to hate the child. They're kids who've just been out yeah, in the Yeah, but it's, it's meant, to, meant to show that Edison is, like, the really entitled one and who, who doesn't have any kind of respect for prop- anyone's property. But anyway, that's entirely beside But it's it's And the also video... there's another woman with her. Did we ever see her again? Yeah, that's, that's Astrid's her. mother. So, she, but I don't know if she's... Did they have a different actress I, or I, age her? I don't remember. I'm, I'm sure that was a different actress. Because that like woman had was. a really... Like distinctive face, and the the older um, Astrid's mother, uh, when she was older, looked quite distinctive and had a distinctive haircut. Yeah. Um, it, but anyway, so I found the the music video thing. There was almost too many like smash cuts, and there's a bit where um, 
Nick and Colin make an escape from his terrible bachelor party that Bernard has organized on the boat All right. and end up on an island. Now, in the book, there's a whole there's a whole lot of intrigue, but basically the movie implies that um, Nick has a helicopter license and they st- so they steal a helicopter. Well, they borrow a helicopter that they'd taken to get out to the boat and take themselves to a private island somewhere. Mm. But you literally kind of smash cut from them. You hear, you hear Nick say under his breath to Colin, oh, we've got to get out of here. And then smash cut, or th- no, not quite smash cut. There's like a whole heap of water, and then suddenly they're on the private island. There's I no- think there's another scene in between where yeah. we go back to Rachel, and then oh, we go yeah. back. Oh yeah, sorry, the water. Yeah, so and then we go back, but like there's no, there's just like we got to get out of here, and then suddenly they're on an island somewhere. That's no tension there. On a romantic island together, just the two of them, shirtless, hanging out, flirting with each other. Absolutely love that. Actually, shirtless. We've got to go back to later. Yes, I want to talk to talk about that. But like, there's not, there's no drama in that yeah. scene you just they're clearly at this thing that they hate and then the next scene they're in this place that they love there's no resolution of the drama no it's like god the cut and like maybe they couldn't afford the helicopter mm. or whatever but they had a helicopter scene earlier so like surely it would have been maybe one more hour of helicopter rental to film one more scene in the helicopter right i don't know they, anyway. yeah because they did the helicopter scene with uh flight of the valkyries yes they did of course um i mean <laughs> Yeah, I, I, before I forget it, in case I forget it later, who would have thought that the two movies that we're reviewing this weekend would have as the main thing in common Asian covers of pop songs? Because there's this a, that, uh, Asian cover of Hey Mickey in uh, yeah. in The Meg, which we're reviewing later, and this one was full of Asian covers of pop songs. Yeah. It had like Money, That's What I Want, and it had Material Girl. Yellow by Coldplay. Yellow the, by Coldplay, yeah. End. That was the other one that I noted. Yeah, um, a heap of them, right? Yeah. Which was really cool. Um, It was, but also... It's the China money, Katie. It's, they're not as good as the originals. No. So, <laughs> I mean, it kind of like, what is the movie saying there? If they're choosing to use, like, not as good covers. I I think they're trying to immerse you in the world. Okay. Um, I think it's about an immersive experience. It's made, like, it, it's made for an Asian audience. Because made... it takes me out of it because I'm like, oh, I know that song. Yeah. So and for now a, it's different. For a Western audience, yes. But I think perhaps there's something about, like, an Asian audience who are used to hearing those kind of covers of songs. I don't think they are. I mean, when I was living in Japan, we just heard the pop songs. We didn't hear Japanese covers of them. Yeah, I don't know. And when I lived in Korea, we didn't. We just heard the songs. We didn't hear. Oh, okay. Because so I had a Singaporean roommate for a while in boarding school, and she would listen to, like, a lot of that sort of stuff. Oh, okay. So I don't, I, I don't know. know. I don't know if that's, yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's a Singapore-Malaysia thing. I it could. I, I don't know. I. It, it's also possible that it's like deliberately exoticizing it yeah that's what i was wondering so that's what it felt like to me that they were deliberately exoticizing like and being like i I, but i also wonder if it's like to throw the white audience off a bit like to actually make them feel a bit othered maybe i mean that would be the the kind interpretation i don't know because the meg is directed by white people even though it has a lot of chinese you know chinese actors and and yeah and used differently it's more comedic in the meg yeah like it's it's not yeah you whereas know, these uh, in this film they're just presented as legit that's how the song is yeah and that we're gonna use the big and these swelling are, strings these are of, hugely famous songs yeah they're not like um you know small songs that you're like oh i kind of know this is like yeah big, material this is madonna yeah. and like yes like very, the very lawyers would have had to do very serious negotiations to get the rights for those songs mm. That's the other thing. They may not have been able to afford – this was made for $30 million. They may not have been able to afford to have the Coldplay version or the Madonna version, but they could may have been able to afford the publishing rights and to do a cover version. Maybe. So that is another possibility here because this was made on not a lot of money. I didn't think it showed that much. But then again, the opulence of that sort of thing doesn't really entice me that much. Mm. I liked the way it was kind of shot. There was this one really great – and that's – where I think John Chu is a good director. Like, I think also that he doesn't set things up very well and doesn't make things clear and everything's confusing. Mm-hmm. And he m- does more of the, like, dizzying, throwing you around kind of stuff. Yeah. I thought he did a great job when, you know, when the rumor mill started about Nick and Rachel. Of, yeah. Like, expressing that in visuals. That was, was so good. Perfect. So, like, he really has a good sense of color and visuals and stuff like that, which I think comes from that dance director thing. Yeah, yeah. But, like, in terms of storytelling there are definitely problems. But it seems like there's problems with that in the book as well and maybe yep. it's just a really difficult book to adapt. I don't know. But um, 
there's this one shot of the um the wedding after party. Reception. What is it called? Reception. After <laughs> party is probably the right word, the to be honest. reception where, like, it's really high and you see the whole setting mm. and then it comes down into the – and I was like, that's gorgeous. That's mm. fantastic. So he can really do the visuals. Oh, it really uses Singapore. Like, I, I was just like, I really have to go to Singapore. Mm. I just want to travel and go to Singapore. It's so beautiful. Um, and then uses that building that everybody who goes to Singapore takes a photo of themselves in the infinity pool yeah. at. Um, it really uses that. And then the the – the setting for the wedding after party is those big tree things that are also yeah. a, a relatively new but well-known feature of Singapore. Um, it uses that setting. And I don't believe they all entirely filmed there. I think they filmed in um, KL as well. Yeah. And so they they use what they've got really well. But I also noticed like there are actually a couple of I, – I don't know that they actually had a lot of time in Singapore in terms of like shots and stuff of the mm. city. Uh, and that's where sometimes I sort of spotted the budget. Yeah, I, the it clothes didn't really as well sometimes. Well, I wouldn't know that from. Well, it. I mean, the clothes this, are all actually. It's really funny. The I read an interview with the costume designer, and she said that the clothes and jewelry are all borrowed, and they had because it was cheaper to hire security guards to guard the jewelry and the clothes than to actually have fake jewelry made or to like have <laughs> cost seamstresses yeah. sew the dresses, um, which I thought was interesting. So the, the it's all like you know really good clothes and stuff. I don't know. I just there's something about. Maybe it was – it feels a bit slapdash or something. There's something about it that makes me think this was made on not a lot of money and I can't necessarily um, put my – like can't necessarily put my finger on it, but it just doesn't quite feel like as opulent as I thought it might. I didn't get that sense. But I was kind of put off by the opulence of it. So maybe – Yeah. I don't know. Because like it, a lot of it was shot really nicely and I think mm. that's kind of – maybe he shot it certain ways to distract you from the fact yeah. that it's well not- like the, when they go up to Tyersall Park the, the family home for the first time mm. where she's in where they like it's not even on the GPS like the, where the camera pulls out mm. and you see the road and Aquafina's car going around the side of the road coming up to the house that's really cool yeah but then she's like did you just put jungle into your GPS and there's a gate right in front of them the yeah. security cards come up on them with a gate right in front I'm, I'm like you don't see the giant gate while you're having this conversation yeah. Yeah, like, does she not have her lights on? <laughs> um, so and then, the, the, then, like, the Gurkhas come up, which is another interesting thing about, um, like, the the racial makeup of the servants versus the mm. the main people. I would have really appreciated a little more depth on the the disparity of um, wealth and like how that affects the world. I would have been really interested to see Aquafina, especially maybe. from an economics professor. Yeah. You think maybe so, there'd be something about like inequality? Yeah, and... I know. It would have been really interesting like, to see because... some kind of breakdown of that mm. stuff, especially with Gemma Chan's character because Astrid is like – there's a moment at the end and there's a lot of moments at the end where wealth is seen as a, a um, victory. Mm. Like when she gets her incredibly expensive earrings out and wears them because she always had to hide them from her husband so she didn't make him feel as bad. But I'm like, yeah, but like you could like – buy a apartment building and house like you know a hundred people with the money of mm. that you're... those earrings yeah <laughs> like you probably took it from an apartment building of a hundred people who were paying too much rent or something like that's basically what is inferred mm. there right yeah and you're like that's i don't know that that's a a victory over yeah him. and i i think so one of the stories i think could have done with a bit more fleshing out is that Araminta and Michael not Araminta Astrid and Michael so well Astrid and Michael Michael, because that kind of like he's feeling insecure because he's just like runs a regular level of business and she's from this incredibly wealthy family like those sorts of parallels throughout where like where Rachel can see that other couples have dealt with this yeah would have been more interesting um because when it comes up with Michelle Yeoh, that is one of the turning points of the film and it's also what, what gives that a whole lot more depth is when Michelle Yeoh talks about what she went through and the choices that she made. Well, we'll get to you with Michelle yeah. Yeoh in a bit because I want to talk about Araminta for a minute because she's mm. so unlikable. Oh, yeah. Like, she's she's, she's so – she acts nice, mm. to people, but she's so unlike – like mm. the way that she introduces her bachelorette party is so shallow – and, like, they are those destination bachelorette parties that everybody is just, like, these are insane. You know, mm. it, it's not – she just seems – and Colin, it seems so much 
Like we get to know him better. He seems like such a he seems like a decent dude, right? Yeah. And he's so pretty and oh, he gets man, along yeah. with um I was gonna say Jason. Who's Jason? He gets along with nobody <laughs> Nobody in this movie. Dave. Oh boy. Jason, yes. What's he gets, his name? Nick. Nick. I keep going to call him Henry actually, because it's the actor's name, but yeah, Jason Nick gets along really well with Nick. And like and yeah, he seems lovely, but she just seems so shallow and, and like almost trashy like the things that she wears and the way that she well the, yeah the like, fact that like the first thing they do on the bachelorette party is like shopping all expenses paid shopping spree like, yeah ew it's gross right it's yeah it's icky yeah it's like just it's uncomfortable unsurprising that her friends are the really gross people who put a dead fish on um now I've Rachel. rachel's bed yeah it isn't and and then, you know, there's the girl who seems nice but turns out mean, which mm. is a boring trope and we don't yeah, really – and also just adds an extra complication and an to another girlfriend. calendar. Yeah, She's it's also – I think I laughed. character we don't need. I think I laughed when I, we found out she was his ex-girlfriend because yeah. I was like, oh, of course she is. Of course she is. Yeah. Um, And then, oh, there's also these weirdly sexual moments. Like there's this moment when it seems like Astrid is flirting with Nick. There's a moment when it seems like – like there's um that 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 girl who doesn't like Rachel is flirting with Rachel, <laughs> like there's weirdly mm. like they they're always putting necklaces on each other and touching each other in funny ways and I'm like what are you doing with this? Is this supposed to be this sexualized? And all of the scenes with Nick and Colin together were like hypersexualized to me. Those two, yeah, yeah. That's... But then again, there was a lot of nice objectification of men. For the female audience. But not just objectification great. of men, objectification of Asian men. Yes. Sexualization of Asian men. And we've talked about this before. That is something that historically just doesn't happen. Yeah. In fact, men, Asian men get deliberately desexualized. Like Ollie. <laughs> or Ken Jong in a lot of his other parts. Yes, that's true. Um, so there is at least a couple of scenes of deliberate objectification of um Michael, Astrid's husband. He, in mm. fact, is introduced by his torso yeah, in the shower. You don't see his face for like 30 seconds. And Nick gets a few shirtless scenes, but I mean, like, honestly, if you've got Henry Golding and he's, you know, you got to like use what you can to advantage yeah. with him, and then and also Colin, um, shirtless, yeah, again on the two of them together, shirtless, and um, but Harry Shum Jr. doesn't get any shirtless scenes, which is a real crime against humanity, I think, because like I know we all have to wait for the sequel, which in the sequel. we don't even know if it's going to be made yet. I mean, it should give them they're the... given they're making good money, and also yeah. um, I'm really looking forward to the sequel. Um, crazy Rich Asians in which Rachel and Nick are not part of it. It's only about Astrid and, and Harry Shum Jr. Yeah, well, and, and Eleanor. See, I don't, I, so I've only just started in the second book, which is called China Rich Girlfriend. So I'm only about a quarter of the way in. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I think we've seen Nick and Rachel at one point, but um, they haven't been a huge part of it yet. But that said, this is, I think, looking back on the book now that I've seen the movie, and I'm like, I, I like everyone in this. I like all these side characters and not... Nick and Rachel, mm. like they're all so much more interesting. Yeah, and then are. and in the book, in um, at least as far as I've read, uh, yeah, that Charlie Wu and Astrid have an interesting storyline going on as well. Cool, because you know Although, I watch them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so now we, I suppose, we should finally get on to Michelle Yeoh, who, oh, like, I would just, I just want to throw myself at her feet. She's so great, and like, clearly the best character in this movie. And half of it isn't even in the script; it's just her acting. Like, there were things that I knew about that character before we were told them, just because you can see them in, like, micro-expressions on Michelle Yeoh's face and the way she holds herself Mm -hmm. and, like, her little movements and things. She's wonderful and she just acts everybody else off the screen. Mm, Yeah. Oh, my God. She's – and, I yeah, I think she was – because she's the biggest star on this, was given a lot of input. Mm. And she – like, I think they changed the way the movie ended. I think they changed the way the book ended. Um, because of her. Okay. Um, uh, I actually really like the way they ended it with the the fancy piece of jewelry that mm. her giving her engagement ring to Rachel to say, "Okay, I accept you. Welcome to the family." Mm. Because it actually felt earned. Yeah. Um, and because you do see that in her acting, you see that this is someone who made a choice to, who's a very smart woman, uh, highly educated, who made a choice to give up her career and, you know, mar- to marry her husband, who's from this big wealthy family who has made particular sacrifices around the raising of particularly her son. Mm. Actually, I don't know if she has another kid. Around the raising of her son, who at this point in time is in a really hard place because Nick's father's absent. And it's not something it's gone into in the movie really much at all. But 
Nick's father has clearly absented himself because he can't stand his own mother, right? He doesn't want to have to deal with the grandma and all her bullshit. But, like, Eleanor has has a lot less of excuse. Like, she can't just go away on business the Mm. way he does. So he basically absents himself, which is much as as what Nick is sort of doing at this point by staying in New York. Mm. And Eleanor's sitting there going... These goddamn men who just, I'm sitting here holding up their place in the line of succession because they're the sons, right? It's pretty clear in this that sons have a preference in this. There's a preference for boys yeah. in this family. And Nick is the son of the only son. But in storytelling, there's a preference for women, which is nice. Yeah. Like the women clearly have more interesting stories, have pride of place in these stories. Yeah. And that is one of the best things about this movie, I think. Yeah. And and so you see all of that in Michelle Yeoh. You see the way she walks through her mother-in-law's home and, and to, you know, tells the kitchen staff what to do. She sort of swans about the way um, – I mean, Michelle Yeoh is a, a former ballerina, among other things. And she's just the way she walks, tall and proud. And she's got that – the dress they have her in at Tyersel Park the first time, she's just got like a cape. On it as well, so she kind of sweeps through. You keep saying place names. They don't say that. In they, the they don't. So Sorry. it's really helpful. The family home. Yeah. The, the, the grandma's mansion. Because I'm sitting there going, when were they in the park? Grandma's mansion. When yeah. she sweeps through grandma's mansion in this, it's like a burgundy colored dress with a cape. Yeah. And just the way she moves around and oh, the little yeah, micro expressions so of like the two aunties who are sisters and they are the daughters of grandma and she is not a daughter. She's a daughter-in-law and that's a different status. And like you kind of Weren't see... Weren't there like four other women? Um, th- 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 That's her like squad that she does Bible study with. They're like... Which ones are the aunties then? Aren't the they two in that women, group? There was like a, a skinny one with a bob with a... Yeah, yeah. Fel- it's like Felicity, Felicity and... Yeah. The, the bigger lady. There's only really two of them, right? And one who's fatter. Yeah. But, but there's... No, but there's other... There's, a, there's like two other women there. There's, like, the one that she's always talking to who has, like, she has pale makeup. That's one of her friends, though. But I, that's the thing. In this movie. It's not clear. I don't know who, so I don't know which ones are the mothers of these other people and which ones are the sisters and which ones are just her friends. I know. She interacts with all of them the same way. I know. We really need a family tree at some point. Like, it is so complicated. But it's not just that. She interacts with all of them the same. So how, what is it in this, like, it's not until Ollie says something about, I think it's Felicity mm. being Astrid's mother. Yeah, that I even made that connection at all. I didn't know they were even related. Yeah, to like I or to the grandmother. I didn't know they were her daughters until you told me in this podcast. Yeah, I thought they were all just her friends. I was just baffled by like that's what I was saying at the start. How it's really confusing between the aunties who are actual aunties of Nick's and the friends of Michelle Yeoh's who are in her, like, Bible study group. But they call everybody auntie and uncle anyway, so... Which is fine. That's that's yes, a normal it's... thing. But, like, the mean girl posse that Eleanor rolls with, that's her fr- her own friends. But she doesn't even like them. I know. She I clearly know. doesn't even like them from the beginning. So it's very confusing. But, yeah, she's still... I mean, there's, there's other things about her. Like, you were talking about um, the role of succession and things like that. But I was more interested in, like, you could tell them, like, early on how resentful she was that this girl had come in like she's um <laughs> she's um i was gonna say alphaba basically when yeah. when um like dorothy, dorothy arrives. Comes, arrives and has everything so that, easy that, and... it's not an accident by the way that that's definitely a, a, an influence of this oh there you go okay like that's but she yeah. is she's her jealousy is born out of real pain of like having to give things up and being rejected constantly, still after this long, yep. after trying and so hard, and this being, girl comes in who is yeah. poor, who doesn't even have the amount that she had when she was younger, you know, and didn't go to the right schools, right, didn't and come being from accepted, the right kind of family, yeah, which is is just like it's heartbreaking for her, yeah, when she's had to try so hard for everything, yep, and, and she's here still she is, not. still supporting this woman to come and sit down and being by her side and helping with Doing everything. all of the filial piety on behalf of her absentee husband. And, yeah, yeah. the absentee husband, yeah. So, but, like, I was more interested in her relationship with Rachel because that's the main yeah, yeah. kind of. Yep. But um, you you so understand why she does the mm. things that she does. And it's not even in the script till later. Like, you don't find all this out till much no, later. No, no. Um, and yet you can see it all in just the way that she acts and everything. And and this girl's taking her son away from her. She never gets to see her kid. Yeah. Who, and she already country. gave up seeing her kid. I mean, I know this happens after in the script, but, like, this is a kid who she largely let his grandmother raise. Yeah. Like, she's given up a lot. Exactly. She's just 
And then, Amazing. And then Rachel's just going to swan in and be like, oh, yeah, I think we'll live in New York. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and Rachel doesn't know, but. I, I, but like, at the same time, yeah, you can absolutely see why. She's like that. Yeah, uh, she's taking a lot of her uh, anger at the grandmother out on Rachel. Yes. But um, you can see why. Mm-hmm. And it's just so it, – there's things that she does that are just so much more heartbreaking than any other moment in the movie mm-hmm. just from, like, just looking at Rachel interacting with the grandmother. Mm. Just watching that happen and the f- look on her face, I'm like, oh, poor Eleanor. Well, <laughs> you know, like – At the end of the Mahjong game, when she, when she and Rachel play Mahjong and Rachel beats her – and Rachel walks off with her mum and they're like hugging and like yeah. they have this really close relationship because they've only had each other. And as much as she loves her son, you can see her trying so hard to just well, – like when he, she in, – in his room when he, he goes change his shirt and stuff like yeah. that, she's trying so hard just for any time she can get with this kid. But also like because of the um, way she was raised and the society and everything, she can't express her – Feelings for no. him as openly well, these as Americans, Rachel and her These mother. Americans just hug each other. Yeah, it's um, sad. It's really sad. You sort of see it happen. And, uh, yeah, they don't make as much of it in the film, but in the book they talk a lot about American-born Chinese and, like, how different it is to be, like, Chinese-American or Asian-American versus mm. being Asian. Yeah, and that stuff would have been more interesting, I think. Like that yeah. and a, a deeper exploration of the, you know, the the privilege and stuff. And the way mm. that they end it with that big party was gross to me. I well, I also it came right after a scene where he confronts her on an airplane that I don't like those. I don't they like. Re- I thought they, they actually rushed scenes. that denouement. I didn't mind the airplane bit. I thought it was kind of cute, but I, yeah, I, they I made did, me so uncomfortable. I did feel like they rushed that denouement though. Yeah, like there was no real. The, the, like we talked about before, Rachel and Nick don't have real conversations. No. Like they have a. There's like a bit in the in a hotel lobby where they have a bit of a conversation and he tries to propose to her and they have like a little they never have a real like serious conversation about how things how no. bad things are. So therefore the reconciliation isn't as earned because no. they have the blow up hasn't been as big. And I feel like there's not enough setup of them in New York and what their life was like before this either. No. We don't really get an understanding of that. But anyway, yeah. um I want to wrap this up because we've got to do gotta get the other one. one. And yep. I'm not gonna get beaded dog meat up today. <laughs> Okay. Um. All right. We I, should just a second. I should check my notes. Yeah. I think I've really co- important I, that I, think I, I missed. covered off everything in my notes. Um. No, that's not very helpful. I wrote a note that just says "big dick energy" from Michelle Yeoh at the beginning of the movie. I mean. Oh yeah, Orkafina's um, bags position. Yes, that was great. <laughs> Funny. I I just have a lot of um notes that are like Michelle Yeoh over everybody, Orkafina over everybody, and then. Oh, and yeah, even the comedic moment or the embarrassing moment where she confused the um the finger bowl with finger a bowl drink. was underplayed. Like it was just kind of brushed off really quickly and there's mm. no moment to sit in her embarrassment or anything. Everything just kind of moves very quickly. Mm-hmm. So you don't have a moment to Yeah, and so that you don't really feel the beats of the story. That was the other thing I really wanted to say. Um yeah, I don't need to talk about how buff um um, Constance Wu is. Um, we can talk about that offline. She is. She's really buff. But um, no, it's it's about there's a weird tonal discrepancy. I mean, um, Aquafina and Michelle Yeoh were the best things in this movie, but they are doing performances that belong in two different movies. Yeah. Um, Aquafina is like big, and like when she's taking selfies on the stairs and everything is like you know really really big, right? Mm. And Michelle Yeoh is all subtlety. <laughs> Like she is just everything is in expressions yeah. and all that sort of stuff, and there's a lot of that kind of thing going on. Like Ollie is so big, but then and the aunts are so big, but like the main characters are not big at all. Yeah, so they're very real. This is something that like this movie suffers because there are not enough parts in other movies for Asian actors. So there are not a, not a huge amount of experienced Asian actors, right, who can do these roles. And so there is a real discrepancy between actors who are good experienced have, have like really have deep training and then others who are relative newcomers or comedians okay. who are doing this or yeah but that's the th- that's in all romantic comedies you have some people who are comedians who are doing yeah yeah if and then others at, um, who are actors if you look at um the one we saw on netflix yeah 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 where like with pete davidson yeah with pete davidson yep. but everybody's performances were on a similar level yeah, they weren't like some people were too big and some people were too small. Everybody was more I, or less know, playing it. Yeah, but I mean, maybe I Tay like, Diggs was a little bit bigger than everybody oh, oh, else. Oh, Cena though, like it was. I made me so happy whenever she came back. Yes, 
It, it was I, like I a must, relief from some of the other more intense stuff, particularly yeah, Eleanor. I don't think they were bad acting decisions. I think that it was a bad directing choice not to even things out a bit. Right, right. Yeah. And that's not the actors, that's the direction. Yeah, yeah. Because you can get everybody to be on a similar level by going, can you tone this down a bit? Can you tone this up a bit? You know, yeah, make this ha- bigger, giving, make that smaller. You give Paikalin a couple more serious moments and things yeah. like that as well. And when yeah. she's doing the selfies on the stairs, maybe go, it doesn't have to be that big. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Like, bring everybody in line with the vision that you have. And it's not just her, it's that guy... Um, the Bernard guy oh, and yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Ollie and it's the aunts and everybody Kitty who's Pong. like yep. Kitty Pong Kitty Pong's insanely big mm-hmm. like she's like everything that she's doing is like the bad actress thing that she's doing at the beginning mm. and it's not you know you, all you have to do is be like just tone that down a little or do yeah. you know tone this up. and when they do the um, when Rachel runs away through the party it's all so everybody is there doing their one caricature thing yeah. and you're like <laughs> You could just not throw everybody into this. Just back off a little on mm. that. So, yeah, for me it was that. That was a tonal discrepancy that made it really hard to um, understand where Rachel was coming from some of the time when she felt more grounded. Mm. Um, and also I feel like they were trying too hard to make her cute all the time. Yes. And that was the other issue. Like oh, she never God. got to be angry or sad. She yeah. just had to be cute and respond to things in cute ways or like, yeah. you know, strong ways. Yeah. Even when she was depressed, she looked perfect. <laughs> I was like, oh, give it a br-. Like, let her, like, cry, ugly cry or, you know, have bad makeup or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like Meg Ryan in When Harry Met Sally, which is, like, my gold standard rom-com, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Mm, scores. I know. It's a really tough one. I, 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 I'm inclined to be a bit generous, but I, at the same time, like, I'm also, I didn't love it that much. Yeah, I know. Um, I feel the same way. Like, I I don't know. It's somewhere between two and a half and three stars for me. Like, I'm, if it didn't I'm, have I'm the all Asian three and three and a half. So yeah, if it didn't have the all Asian cast and that stuff and Michelle Yeoh and and like that stuff, it it would be a two and a half. Yeah, easily. But it does have that stuff, so maybe a three. Yeah, and I'm I was vacillating between three and three and a half, and I will probably go for three and a half because I am inclined to generosity on that front. Probably half a star in there is because Michelle Yeoh is just so good in this film. So, yeah. All right. Uh, I guess we will wrap up. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.